Thank you for subscribing to KCWG The Truth Extra, our premium content channel. We have copies of our shows, plus exclusive content from our hosts and their guests. Also, as a subscriber, you'll be invited to participate in giveaways and events. Thank you for supporting and listening to KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio on the planet.
Oh, well, that says a lot because progressively each year they do seem to be raising the stakes a little bit, particularly last year because, you know, the whole fallout from the first Prince tributes after he passed, they felt like they were obligated to really, really give him a proper send-off, and they, they really stepped their game up at last year's awards show. So I'm glad to hear that they uh, maintained that standard, my brother. Yeah, well, man, and, and I think this too, man, uh, and I'll say this and I'll let you, you know, uh, vibe with the guests that we have today, but it seems like a lot of people are passing unexpectedly. You had Michael Jackson, you got Prince, you got all of these people that are an alumni and they're gone and we sit back even you know you're listening to exciting premium uh, content on kcwgthetruth.com but when you see those main characters or superstars and they're going it kind of puts a perspective on life and uh where the bible says there's uh, no man is promised tomorrow Mm. or no what what you know and and we're not. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised today. And so with that being said, I think everybody feels that. I think the I think the days are going very short and I think that this world is, is out of control. And I think if you can put a little awesome encouragement like the B E T wars or whatever, you gotta bring it home and you gotta take it to the next level. And one thing I did appreciate was that everybody seemed grateful and they gave honor to God. And with that being said, what's yeah. up, man? What's up with the guests? What's up with the what's up with you? Hey man, I I'm you know me, I'm trying to close out the year at work. Okay. But um, I have to tell you about that because that is some fast and furious business right there. And we're gonna have a fast and furious show tonight. Okay. And when you speak about celebrities who've passed away and they they used to talk about why do we cry? Because it's not like we know them personally, but you know, the reason why we feel it so strongly is not because we knew them, but because their passing help, helps us remember and remind us that those artists helped us to know ourselves better. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we get in touch with so many strong emotions when these celebrities passed away. Okay. But speaking of getting to know yourself well, we have three amazing, exceptional guests tonight, uh, ranging from curators of lifestyle marketing all the way to living a liberated and sensual lifestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're going to have Aja Shine of Fusicology. We're going to have Miss Christina X. Limit back from Denver, Colorado, and Miss Deborah Rachel Kagan talking about Mojo Recovery. Wow. So we're going to have a show, T. Russ. All right, and, man, uh, let's get it. Yeah, we got to get it. Uh, we're going to take a short break so we can bring Miss Aja Shine on board. You guys are listening to KCWGTheTruth.com. The name of the program is called Real Love, Real Talk Uncut. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Miss Aja Shine. Right on. Stay tuned. Oh, 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 
Radio.com. The name of the program is called Real Love, Real Talk Uncut. She'll be on the air with my good brother, T. Russ. What's up, brother? I'm here. Hey, it's time for us to kick this evening off. Our first guest, ladies and gentlemen, she has a background in lifestyle marketing, community building, and artist representation, and has been referred to as a quintessential Renaissance woman who's credited with heightening public awareness of critically acclaimed music artists and a trailblazer in the world of online marketing promotion. She started her career at the age of 15. (laughs) Russ, she started early. And by the time she was 20, she had already founded her own DJ booking agency. And so she's on the East Coast in Detroit, and then she moved out west, and then that only expanded her brand that much more. She started working with the likes of the late, great Jay Dilla, uh, Questlove of The Roots, Maceo from De La Soul, DJ Dummy, who's the DJ for Common, who I saw last week in Sacramento, Ali Shaheed Muhammad of A Tribe Called Quest, Dwele, Raheem Devon, uh, the list goes on and on. And she just recently, just last year, we were just talking about some of the artists that passed on. She was responsible for helping get off the ground the Prince tribute last year at the City of Los Angeles uh, Music Hall. And also at the Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Plaza, she helped celebrate or put together the celebration for the Miles Davis official 90th commemorative birthday. So she's done it all. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Real Love, Real Talk Uncut, Miss Aja Shine. Miss Shine, are you there? I am. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd never get through it. You've done so much. I'd like for you to meet my partner, T. Russ. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Hey, guys, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Oh, it's a pleasure. Now, we know you're short on time, so um, why don't you tell us a little bit? I sort of gave a real quick rundown of what you've done. Uh, you represent a company called Fusicology. Can you tell us a little bit how you got started and what Fusicology is all about? Sure, thanks. So um, I got started because, as you mentioned, I was already working um, with artists that I had a booking agency back in the day that I started in 1999 when I was 20. And wow. uh, I, did that, I did that for almost a decade. And then I noticed that there was this void of a calendar listing of events that was easy where it listed specifically events for soul music. So soul, punk, jazz, hip-hop, conscious music, deep house, that sort of thing. And so because I had the knowledge and the connections to the promoters, I was able to then get all the information together, um, get with a, uh, a CTO and a, a few tech guys and put it together, and that's what happened 14 years ago. And presently what we do is we're in over 25 cities. We're in 27 cities, and we list um, these events across these cities. We have an app. We're very uh, techie, and we're actually um, getting ready to do some big things for our 15th anniversary next year in 2018. But time has flown by because wow. I think on your website, I think you've mentioned that you were in 20 cities, but you just mentioned 25. So you're, how often are you constantly adding new markets? Actually, yes. We just added some new markets, um, and they're kind of slowly but surely rippling up. Denver and Miami, Minneapolis, Montreal, Vancouver. Um, they're, they're sort of slowly Portland, Oregon. So we kind of added these markets, but we're sort of new to them, so we're not doing as much as we'd like, like we are in markets like D.C., Atlanta, and so forth. But, of course, it's a, it's a build, and it, it will continue to build, hopefully. 
Okay. Well, Russ, I, I want to tell you and the audience that Aja Shine is a living legend. Okay. And um, without her, man, there would be no progressive soul movement on the West Coast and I think throughout the country because she is just truly a uniter. And she sort of has created this amalgam of a culture and brought so many different types of people together through the brand of music. Aja, you spoke a minute ago about conscious music. How would you define conscious music? Because you first got turned on to this through hip-hop as well as Deep House. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. Sure. Well, I'm really a house head from the Midwest. That's kind of where I started out with and listened to. I'm so blessed to grow up in in sort of the mid-'90s because um, my music was everything from Black Star, Most Def, Telequali, and that, and, and Dilla Beat, all the way through to, you know, the, the very, like, what used to be called Neo Soul, which I still call Neo Soul. <laughs> and, um, What's it called you know, now? And I, have, I, I mean, now they're just like, oh, there's no Neo in Soul, right? But um, <laughs> oh. that's what people think, <laughs> okay. but, you know, whatever, R&B, it's all the same thing to me. But the really, the, 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 I think the base of what I'm into has to really be that sort of deep, soulful house because when you listen to some of these productions, whether it's from Chicago, New York, or Africa, especially right now, South Africa kind of rules it, um, it's a different level, you know. And uh, a quick note is uh, I appreciate what you said, and to me, without... You're listening to exciting premium content on KCWGTheTruth.com. And also my connection to Detroit, Moody Man, and, and those types of artists, I wouldn't be where I am because I was studying global climate change in college. So I wasn't even mm. trying to be in the music industry, but I kind of got into it and uh, never left. Wow. <laughs> but um, yeah, but it's, it's mm. definitely that type of music, which honestly, I haven't heard better music since what came out in the mid 90s. So that's kind of where I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, I hear you. So, Russ, what were you doing in college? Were you were you studying global climate change in college, Russ? Well, you know, I I didn't start college till I was thirty, basically. Oh. <laughs> so you know, you know my story. <laughs> um, but I'm fascinated to hear anybody at twenty that mm. uh, decides to have a vision. Uh, at at twenty, I was uh, getting ready to go to war, and at twenty two, oh. I was a veteran. At twenty three, oh. I, I gang bang till I was thirty. I like when people know what who they are and what their passion is at 20. Yeah. Wow. My question is uh, what 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 turned the passion on? Uh what what did it for you? Did something make you angry? Did you get fed up with something yes. that you didn't like? Yeah, Main I want to hear that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Music makes me angry. Top 40 music makes me angry. Bad Hello. Crap <laughs> makes know. me angry. People calling house plants music and Techno, bad techno. I'm not talking about Detroit techno, but bad techno. When they call that house, it it angers me. And I my I also come from you know family that was in the military and and really kind of hardcore folks. And I just always felt like you know if and I always felt like if, if you don't do it, who else is going to do it? You know, if you just wait around and sit around, oh well, you know, and then oh well, I'm just going to read the LA Weekly and maybe there's three events no. in the weekly. You know what I'm saying? That, what I want to do, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm not into rock. I'm not. I don't. I don't diss any type of music, but that's not my culture. My culture is is what you know is now called, I guess, Afropolitan. I've been using the word diaspora and the soul diaspora for 15 years, and to me, there was nothing of it. So yeah, it kind of angered me when people would be like, 
oh, you work with hip-hop artists? Oh, you mean like Young Jeezy or what? I'm like, no, man, I'm talking no, real. No, no. <laughs> so that's why. <laughs> wow, wow. So what yeah. made you... What made you man- maintain it? Like, how did you maintain that position that this is what you're going to do? Did anything try to stop you, or did you have road barriers where you said, I don't know if I could do this, or people were saying, you know, we don't want to hear what you have to say? What What is that process for you? Yeah, and especially in the beginning. I mean, there's always almost every day someone that has an opinion um, without trying to make things better, just to put it down. In the beginning, a lot of people said, how are you going to survive without going print? Because back then, we, ha- we had a comp- competition from Joint Magazine, which I think would have existed if they wow. weren't print, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, then, um, and, then, and then when we built out our app in 2010, people were like, nobody needs another app. No one's going to go on your app. And then that obviously was not true, and now the entire world runs on apps. Uh, And then when the economy fell back in 07, 08, a lot of advertising dollars and sponsorship dollars went out the window. I had to recreate my business. The one thing that's been really interesting is no matter how bad the economy, people want to go out, and they want to connect with like minds. So actually, Mm -hmm. we have found... That the, with the bad economy, we became more popular because people aren't going to have money to say go to go on vacation, but they can take their lady out to a nice dinner and a, and a, and a concert, right? So we we have found, and then now with this um, dude in office, we have found even more people trying to sort of connect with one another because they feel this right. innate need, right, to connect with like-minded people. Wow, that's great. It's so important. I mean, it's it's to a point now, Aja, where I can't even imagine life without Fusicology and your event listings because I forgot all about Joints Magazine. I used to read that. But right. since you came around and you really put your imprint on things, it really was a complete game changer. And I know all of this has roots. You have parents that were very musically inclined, and uh, yeah. you also had a mentor. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but how? in what role – what way did your parents influence this? Because they were very musically inclined, and you're actually a they fabulous were. dancer. You, you haven't mentioned anything oh, about how well you. you can dance. <laughs> but you also had a mentorship from a lady named Laura Gavor, if I'm saying that yeah. correctly. Can you talk about those influences yeah. a little Laura, bit and Laura how they played into away. your... Yes, yeah, she passed away in 2002, and I can't believe it's been 15 years, almost this coming October. Right. But she was, um, she was a disco girl. Uh, she's 20 years older than me, and she took me on... I was going, like I was explaining, I was in school, I was at Wayne State in Detroit, and I wasn't even trying to be in the music industry, but she needed, like, a, an assistant, and she said, are you good at email? Are you good at all this new stuff that I'm not good at faxing and all this? Are you quick typer? And I was. I was I've was. i always been super tech savvy. And I was like, sure. And so I just became her apprentice, and I started to um, understand the music industry and contracts and artists and, and, you know, essentially babysitting, right, because that's what management of artists is, is babysitting, and (laughs) started to kind of get that. And then she was really, really instrumental in sort of allowing me to then flourish because she was more like Detroit techno, so she did, like, um, the the Belleville Three who helped invent techno, um, Jeff Mills, and and those kind of really heavy-hitting Detroit guys. I ended up moving to Chicago um, because I got a job working for this man called, named Roy Davis Jr. and managing an artist named oh, Kevin yeah. Everett, who's a 
like that's talented right. people out. And that's how I kind of started my own thing because I started working at the label, realizing real quick that I needed to do something else to supplement income because working at an independent house music label was not going to pay all the bills. And so I re- it's really survival. Um, it's always been about survival. It's always been about I've never wanted to get a day job. I've never had a job in my entire life, and I'm, you know, I'm going to be 40 next year, so that's I'm probably never going to have a job, hopefully. And <laughs> I've always <laughs> kind of wanted to do my thing, but it, it is about, um, for you know, it is about first manifesting and then building, but it really is about sometimes staying up till three in the morning working and and attending conferences and and learning things that don't make you comfortable and not saying, well. I'm not, I don't understand that, so I'm just going to hire someone to do it. No, you, you've got to know a little bit about everything, in my opinion, to run a successful business. And also, I want to make clear that I don't do this by myself. I've got an, a, a business partner I've worked with, a, another incredible dancer. You know Jason Sugars. We've worked together 17 years oh, yeah. now. You know, right. Like, I have a CTO, Black Michael. Gold. Right. So it's like, exactly. So I, I, I'm not, I've got excellent people around me. I've always been, I try at least to be very respectful of everyone's time and and what their energy that they put in. Right. Thank you. And then I also outsource, right? So I have people uh, that are, that do social media, do stuff for me that I've actually never met before that live um, not not on this continent. So I'm kind of a a hybrid entrepreneur, you know, um, but I'm also the home. Yeah, Renaissance, but I'm also the homie. Like, I like yeah. to hang out with artists and, you know, be creative and all that other stuff. So I think that helps. Well, you have broken artists. I know we don't have a lot of time left, but who's been what, – what's been one of your favorite sort of pet projects? What was the most exciting act or artist that you brought to the forefront? Well, I mentioned Kevin. That, that definitely takes the leap because he's – I mean, you know, he's on the Gorillaz album right now. Like, the guy is completely blown up. Um, I, I never like to say that I discovered people because it sounds a little corny and ish um, but I definitely helped, you know, listen, I, I've helped the career of Alicia Keys back in the day, you know, when she was first starting. John Legend, um, Drake, I mean, I promoted some of the first shows that, like, A-listers have done on that level, like, when John Legend was John Stevens playing SOBs in, like, 2002. So, you know, it, it's, and I've kind of people flourish so I would say I've worked with an artist like Questlove and he first started to DJ and he sucked and <laughs> you know he didn't know how to, know how to fix and now he's like the guy that you book uh, for, for you know 50 grand to DJ at your party so I think I've, I've kind of been very blessed and lucky to kind of grow with people you know Kamasi Washington Paris Martin here in LA the sounds of Crenshaw again I'm, I would never say I've discovered them but I've, I was always lucky enough to be sort of on the forefront and sort of be there when they first started playing for, like, 30 people in a room. You know what I'm saying? That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty exciting. So before you go, what can you tell us about this uh, Fuse life? Because you are embarking upon okay. some new enterprises. Mm-hmm. Talk about yes. that a little bit, and then um, we're going to land the plane. You're listening so to exciting premium content on KCWG, the exciting premium content on KCWG, the truth.com. Where it's legal, because um, I don't know if I can say this on air, but I've just been, that's my thing. <laughs> it's been my thing. It'll always be my thing. Okay. So that's, that's but, but, but in the health and wellness aspect of it, because I do believe 
that people have been, and in general, what we eat, what we put in our bodies, how we, how we are, needs to be addressed. So it's going to be experiential in some ways where we're going to be part of events and we're going to you know, have these lounges and these experiences of health and wellness uh, within the community. And then also it's, of course, going to be an app and a platform so that people can share information. Um, you know, imagine going into a club and instead of just having sugar water and alcohol, you might be able to get a wheatgrass shot, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You might be able to, you know, eat something that's very, very healthy though, instead of going outside and grabbing a hot dog at 2 o'clock in the morning. So, um, right. you know, we've really got to take care of ourselves because as we know that the government will not and has not and will not and especially now does not care at all about us. And we have to take mm-hmm. care of ourselves within our own community, folks like Ron Finley, the, you know, the urban gardener, and, you know, I'm sorry, the, the gangster gardener, he calls himself, not the urban gardener. And, you know, people like that, right. those are people that I'm inspired by because we have got to uh, take care of our own community, our own people, our own culture, our own music, and, 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 and we're going to do that through the power of the Internet, through social media, through being connected, but also seeing eye-to-eye and, and uh, connecting at parties like Juju, which is hands down the best event in California, let alone just Los Angeles. It's oh. just phenomenal. And I think those oh, are, you know, you. And, and being, yeah, and one thing I'd like to mention, because, you know, you guys kind of brought up the woman thing in the email, I just want to say that I've been really blessed to grow up in a time and a place where I didn't have any issues being a woman, but I also think that it is the way that you carry yourself and what you set out from, from jump that allows people to respect you, you know, even if you're cute and you're running around and you're wearing a little dress, that's okay. But be respectful and you will be respected. So I think it's very important to any woman listening, you know, you can still be cute and wear makeup and whatever, but, but if you want to be respected, you know, tone it down and make sure that you act like a real lady. I like wow. that. I like that. Well, we, we can't even improve upon that. So uh, we want to thank you for joining us, Aja. Uh, where can people reach out to you and find you and keep in touch with your projects you have going on right now and coming up? How do they reach you? Thanks. Well, everything is at Fusicology, so it's like Musicology with an S. And if you want to reach out to me personally, I am AZ Boogie on Twitter. I'm easily, um, you know, reached on social media. And then Fuse Life is going to be at Fuse Life, F-U-S-E Life. That's going to be our new brand. And all of that is going to come out in 2018 in time for our enormous supposed 15-year anniversary, which I don't know what we're doing yet, but you know that we're going to do something. You're going to do something big. You know, somebody needs to tell your story, Aja. I mean, I think one thing the underground scene is missing is a good biography and documentary. And I think Fusicology is such an intrinsic entity in the scene that somebody has got to tell your story. And I can't wait for this next project you have going on. I can't thank you enough for joining us tonight. Will you please keep in touch? Thank you. To God's ears, thank you guys so much for having me. And stay blessed and enjoy your long weekend. Absolutely. Nice to meet you. All right, we'll do that. This is KCWG, thetruth.com. You're listening to Real Love, Real Talk Uncut. We're going to take a short break, and on the other side of this break, we're going to have the returning champ, (laughs) Miss Christina X. Limit out of Denver, Colorado. Stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.
I am. Happy to be back, too. <laughs> well, welcome back. There is my good partner, T. Russ. How you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing excellent. Good. I'm well, glad. <laughs> so glad you could be back with us. Everybody doing okay in the family this time? I'm glad to hear. No news is good news. And I so, know. Um, <laughs> Russ, you remember what happened last time we had her on the air? Uh, she put it down. Oh, oh, she she definitely put it down, but her man had to put it down before we were able to get her on the air. <laughs> yeah, yes. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, and so we he, he's one of those cats who's probably a stand-up brother, and we're talking about stand-up women tonight. So, Miss Christina, welcome back. Um, Thank you. Last time we were here, we were doing a show on black consciousness, and we covered the gamut mm-hmm. from that to economic oh. empowerment to politics, mm-hmm. and tonight's <laughs> focus um, really leans toward the empowerment of women. You strike me as being a very exceptional woman with a unique level of expertise in this area. And <laughs> you talked a little bit about your connection to Black Lives Matter and how you were able to pivot from that while still working in parallel with them to sort of form your own lane in terms of specifically empowering a specific niche of women. Can you talk about that work a little bit? What's that about? Yeah, so um, basically, to make, like, obviously a super-duper long story short, like, back in two, mm-hmm. what year is this, goodness gracious? How old am I? 17. This is 2017. So mm-hmm. <laughs> back in 2015, mm-hmm. I had this moment um, where I just knew that my experiences had to be more than experiences. They had to be something fruitful um, for other people's lives because that would be fruitful for my life. And so basically what my work revolves around is taking my own experience along with um, my major in psychology in college. So taking my my book study and my real-life practice experience and, like, combining these things to help women to have um, better romantic relationships than what my first experiences were. And I just know that that transformation kind of revolves around being a healthy version of yourself before you attempt a healthy relationship with anyone. So my work is really with those women um, prior to getting in a relationship that just are willing to admit that, you know, they're the common denominator and are ready to experience something different and therefore do the work to experience that something different and better. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. Did you know that T. Russ was a psychologist and marriage and family therapist? I did. I know that you guys both are have psychology degrees. I did not know that he was in marriage and family therapy. Yeah, <laughs> oh, he, yeah we, 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 he does it all, and so I, uh, I think to say, <laughs> oh, you should do a few things. I do a few things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a few things. But what's lovely about what you say, Christina, is that women first have to acknowledge that there is a, a void, so to speak, and mm-hmm. sort of know that there's a resource out there or a reservoir of resources that can help them in this area. What is it that sort of inhibits women from getting what they want out of life in general, but specifically out of relationships, and how much of that limitation is tied into their lack of awareness or their lack of sense of self? Sure. Huh, that's like, ooh. So <laughs> I don't think that we're necessarily raised in a, raised in a culture of, like, accountability. Um, I think that we tend to look outward for things that are happening in our lives. And not that not the things that are happening in our lives are not, all, are not often 
because of things outside of ourselves, right? But I tell my friends all the time, like, we cannot control other people's actions, but we certainly can control our reactions to things, right? And so we can't control everything going on around us all the time, but what we can do is have control over ourselves. So I think one of the one of the biggest, like, blockades to women experiencing, um, especially with my particular demographic of women, right, experiencing healthy relationships um, romantically is a, a lack of a desire to, like, admit that, you know, you're the only person that's in every single one of these relationships that has not worked. You are the common denominator. Um and not being willing to admit that and do self-reflection is super, super harmful to experiencing any type of, like, healthy romantic relationship. And that translates to every single thing in our lives, right? Like, if I am not getting the jobs that I want to get and it's always, well, they just don't want to hire me. And it's never, well, you know, maybe my resume needs to be tweaked. Maybe my interviewing skills are not so strong. If we're never taking a moment to look back at ourselves and see what we're contributing to our lack of success in life, then we just continue to have a cycle of lack in regards to success. So that translates to all areas. Um, And so we we just have to... We have to get to a place where people are comfortable with being uncomfortable and comfortable with being told, like, it starts with you first, you know? Yeah, and that's a heavy pill to swallow sometimes. So your status right now, you're married right now, right? I am. (laughs) Okay, so I I was one of those people... I was one of those people that was a perennial single, and I'm with someone right now, and I love her very, very much. And so one of the more frustrating things for me when I was single, I used to say, and I've told this to Russ on the air too, is that I always felt like women couldn't see me. And it always Mm. felt to me like um, there was no one who could really explain the process. Like I, I, I hear what the steps are. And I hear people break it down, but when I ask people specifically, man, how did you do it? How did you – you're married now. How did you do it? What were the steps? What was the work? What, can you talk about what are some of the, the, the fundamental steps that women – or, well, people in general, but I, I know we're talking about, you know, women and, you know, sort of yeah. lighting up their confidence and their capacity sure. for getting what they want and getting out of their own way. What mm-hmm. would you say are maybe those the top two or three things that are the inhibitors from women getting what they want out of love and relationships? Oh, so um, first off, I think, so obviously I work with women that want to be married. That has to be their end goal in order for me to be of the most use to them. Also, mm-hmm. though, in, in saying that, we have to make sure that we are wanting to be married for more than just the title, right? Like, it can't just be about being the wife. It has to be about um, something something deeper than that, something much more real than that, because we can get titles all day long. That doesn't make that relationship healthy or fruitful or, like, God-ordained or any of that. It's It's literally just a piece of paper when we reduce it to that. So, but I would say um, what I teach as Christine X Limit, I actually do focus on three very specific things um, in helping women to kind of get to that place. And those things are them learning how to live a lifestyle of forgiveness, um, that they're like typically unresolved things, right, that have made them unhealthy. And then what they do is they get into unsuccessful relationships that feed those unhealthy um, addictions and, and, and habits that they have in their life. So learning to live a lifestyle of forgiveness, um, learning that uh, they need to exercise self-acceptance and that that is not 
just about um, accepting the things that we like about ourselves. That's also accepting all those things that you are still wanting to grow and mature in, but like accepting where you are right here, right now, and then learning how to live a a real lifestyle of self-love and that that goes beyond just the surface physical. I like the way my body looks like it has to do with loving all of those things that like you would rather not tell people like really getting to that place with ourselves where we are walking in forgiveness, exercising self-acceptance and self-love to ourselves. I feel like once we've mastered those things for ourselves, we get into a place where if you've done those three things, you're now a more healthy person and are more likely to attract and to experience healthy romantic relationships. That makes a lot of sense. So how much of your work involves women who have experienced some kind of trauma? I don't think I know um, personally a woman that hasn't experienced trauma. Like anybody that's lived any amount of life is going to have some traumatic experience that they have lived through. Like odds are you've had something that was traumatizing for you in some way. And obviously uh, there are like ranges, right, like spectrums of what that would look like in people's lives. But I, I don't know any woman that I've ever worked with yet that has not had some type of traumatic experience that has left a significant amount of, like, impact and and damage in her life. Um, So I would say probably the majority of them. Probably a lot. Yeah. Right. Right. Now, what, what would you say is their common frustration? Because if they are women who seek marriage and, oh, well, before I finish that question, (laughs) <laughs> um, how much of your work is directed toward women who don't want to be married, but they want to be in a healthy, successful relationship? So I am specifically for women that want to be married, and that doesn't make the information invaluable, right? Because the the goal is to teach women how to have healthy relationships in general. But I do definitely teach it from a um, a marriage perspective in the sense of, like, Um, And I guess maybe what I should say is, like, long-term committed relationships, right? Because I teach it from the perspective of how do you get healthy to get into a healthy relationship and then maintain that healthy relationship. Um, For some people, that does look like, obviously, getting married because if you're maintaining the relationship over 16 years, you want to get married. And some people, it does not. So um, I guess I should say, like, looking for long-term healthy relationships. Okay, that makes sense. And so the question I was asking was, if women are doing that work and you're encouraging women to, you know, do that self-excavation mission and do that self-exploration within themselves, to what degree are they finding comparable men and how challenging is it? I mean, it must be challenging or there would be no need for Christina X Limit. (laughs) But your clients and you, uh, you you found yourself a a man. I mean, (laughs) how... Common is it to find um, these target-rich areas where some of these men who might be doing comparable work, mm-hmm. uh, where do they hang out? I mean, how frustrating is it for women to find out where these guys are? You know, I don't know that um, I've never spent any time trying to figure out <laughs> how to tell women where to go mm-hmm. to find the man, right? I haven't spent any mm-hmm. work um, doing that. I will say, like, In my instance, I was introduced to my husband through mutual friends um, that I knew through a church setting. Um, I have women that have 
um, met men at like networking events, right? So it, it just, I don't know that you necessarily have to go, here's kind of my belief system. You don't necessarily have to go to a certain location to look for and find this particular man. I believe once you've done the work, you know what to look for. You're going to attract a different type of man, right? Like, like you're not going to attract, you know, Joe Schmo that has absolutely no ambition and no doesn't want to do anything with his life if you're a woman that's ambitious and has done all this work to create, like, an aura to attract men that are ambitious. You're not even going to – you'll have stragglers, right? But you're going to, no matter where you go, these men will be more attracted to you because you would have done the work necessary to attract them. And you will know what to look for as a woman. You won't, you know, we as women, we tend to, this is so obnoxious and frustrating for me, but we as women (laughs) tend to ignore the signs, right? Like, we will meet this dude that we know, like, oh, he is just not, he's not where it's at. He is not it. Mm -hmm. And we will be like, well, let me go on date number 17 because maybe this time it's going to be different. (laughs) Like, girl, no. (laughs) You knew. Right. You knew on the first date that he was not the one, you know, and here you are 17 dates in and women do that. We give and, you know, it's all those cliches. Right. But cliches are based, in fact, in some kind of way. Right. They come from some type of truth. Women will just keep giving and giving these opportunities when, like, you already knew. So part of the work is teaching women how to be like, girl, get your list of what it is that you need and you want in a man, right? Be the woman that would attract that type of man, but know what it is. And immediately, like, if he doesn't fit your list, that's okay to say, you know what, you're not the one for me. You're the one for someone else. And and keep moving, you know? Keep it moving. Mm. T. Russ. Man, I'm just vibing, sitting back, man. (laughs) I really enjoy it. I'm really (laughs) like it. This this is uh, my thoughts. Uh, You know I always got to get deep a little bit. You know, I haven't been married 23 years and now divorced. Wow. And listening to, oh, I got a life, I got a life. And uh, being single with a, as a single parent with a daughter for almost 10 years, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, I sit back and a couple things come to my mind as a, not only a parent but a therapist. Mm-hmm. I, I watched the movie Coming to America, and everybody's – if. Is seeing coming to America with Eddie mm-hmm. Murphy and Senator Hall. <laughs> and one of the things that kind of got me was when he was presented with his wife and he began to ask the questions, Eddie Murphy, uh, about what she liked. And she said, whatever you like. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so it made me think about another question that the Bible states that he that findeth the wife findeth a good thing. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, I like the structure that you're talking about, and I wish that structure was in place before I graduated in 1983, where mothers and grandmothers could have taught, because we didn't have dads back then, I'm just being Mm -hmm. honest, Mm -hmm. and somebody could have taught that structure that you just proposed. Understand oneself, understand your self-worth, understanding where everybody else is and where you at, and so as you you build those blocks of self, uh, this self-reliance, man, self-efficacy, self-esteem, then you don't have to go seek a man. He will find you. How will he find you? He will find you because you had your stuff together. What did you have mm-hmm. together? 
your mind, your body, your soul. I can look at a female, and she could be the most smartest, intelligent, but if she's not attractive, I move on. That's a man. That's called mm-hmm. being a man. Okay, mm-hmm. we, we, uh, we're very simple-minded. Why are we simple-minded? Because we don't have fathers to say it's not about the outside, it's about the inside. We were not, mm-hmm. a lot of us were not taught that. And so mm-hmm. I like what you're saying. I think it's very, very uh, important and vital that now whatever you're doing, you're doing it correctly. You're, I watch you. I listen. So I just sit back sometimes, and I, I, write, I got a whole notes right there what you just said. I just write <laughs> everything down, and I dissect it because I agree. I totally agree. Now, you're probably wondering why didn't it work for you for 23 years. <laughs> Why didn't it work for you for 23 years? Because <laughs> that's what people thinking. You can't tell me you didn't think that. I, I, I know, because, okay. <laughs> you know I'm crazy, man. You know I'm crazy well, radio, man. I'm a Tato. I'm a Tato. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If that's I married right now. No, no, I'm going to so tell you, man. If, if right. I would have took those principles that she mm. just broke down and applied it. Now, watch this. When I first met my ex-wife, I said, wow, I saw a light. You were shining. You were glowing. That might have been the devil. I don't know. I know it was God. <laughs> you better oh, she say that. She always say that. She be mad. But on the real, we are introduced to dating mm-hmm. based on the theology and methodology of our upbringing and our mentors. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have mentors or you have limited mentors, you have limited focus and limited knowledge and limited wisdom. And so you continue to have babies. And mm-hmm. those babies bring you comfort. And so when you find out, hey, I don't think I like you, you have another baby. Now, that's a Midwest uh, thing. I was in the Midwest. I'm from L.A. and the Midwest. And so I believe I got caught up in not understanding a woman's self-worth. Okay, when, when a man gets caught up like that, you dictate to her. You become a very assertive man, and she follows that, and she loses herself. Okay, so with that being said, I, I raise my hand. I'm guilty. And when I realized, oh, my God. She didn't know nothing. I didn't know nothing. You go, wow, we have five kids. And now, man, you start over, and now you go, okay, let's breathe, and let's take wisdom from people. Because I don't know everything. Now, I'm I'm an old-school cat, but I don't know everything. But when you think you know everything, you don't know nothing. And so I appreciate your your vibe. I appreciate your energy. And, And you have to have energy to attract energy. Yes. <laughs> that's, that my, that's my spiel, man. Huh? That's powerful. <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah. I appreciate <laughs> the, it. Yeah, well, I tell you, it's been a road, and I appreciate what you're doing in empowering women because uh, all, all the women in my family, I've had a matriarchal family, they mm-hmm. did not understand what you just said. They would have never understood. They wouldn't. They wouldn't have. They would have mm-hmm. said to you. Do you think you're better? Mm. And you probably have gotten that. You probably have gotten that. Who do you think you are? Am I mm-hmm. right? Yes. Tell me about that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that is... it on you a little bit. 
my life right so like yeah. I really try I really really like try to be intentional you know and I don't always do it right but I try to be super intentional when I'm doing Christina X Limit work to be like this is my stuff and this is how it worked for me and this is how I resolved it and like yours might look differently than this and that's mm-hmm. okay because what you do come up against resistance right and so I just that's okay with me because I just assume that those women are not for me, and that's okay. Not everybody is going to be called to me or called to the work that I do, and that's okay. I just I want to help the women that are called to me. But absolutely, you deal with people being like, well, how do you know? Well, your marriage is not perfect. And so I, that's why I said that was powerful, and I appreciate your truth because I value transparency um, so much. And I try to be, even as, like, I, I use my story of, like, my first marriage was awful and 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 a lot of it was me, you know, as much as it was him. And my my now marriage, you know, I did work and I got healthy, and so it's healthy, and we still have stuff, you know. So I try to keep it very real um, for people so that I'm not um, being, you know, unrightfully, like, put onto some pedestal and making sure that people know it's not that I don't know everything, but I know everything about what I've lived, right? I know everything about everything that I that I know for me, and so I just am looking to share that. And so you get that, and you push back with that truth that, you know, it's not about that as much as it's about me trying to give you what I do have, right, so that right. you can make something with that and do something with that. And if, if, if I'm not for you, that's still okay, too, you know? Right. I like that. I got a question. It's my last one. Um, you know, I, I listened to what you both said, and I heard what Rome said, you know, um, finding who he was and finding, you know, who who the woman is, you know, what their role is. Um, what about those men like me? Like me back mm-hmm. when I was single, I didn't have to go find women. They found me. Uh, they looked at the idea of me, not the image of me. And what I mean by that, and when I look at the Word of God, we are made in his image. And um, I, this is a true story. I want to tell me what you think about this as far as marriage. Um, I'm one of these GQ cats that look very masculine, very confident, attractive, and it always turned me off because women would always look at that. They never got to the meat and potatoes. They just got to the look. And I would say to myself, wow, is that what women are looking for the look are they looking for the game watch this mm-hmm. if i if i present myself masculine which i am and uh kind of hardcore which i which i was i'm a little better now <laughs> women really got attracted to that mm-hmm. then if i would go say something like this this is real do you go to church now, this is back then. Do you go to church? I love the Lord. You know, I'm not really into the sexual thing. Uh, those women kind of, it, it kind of veered off. Now, I guess I was looking at the wrong women. You could say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of men now here these days, when they when you talk about marriage, it's like a taboo. When women say, oh, I want to be married, they go, <gasps> and then you have men say, well, i got to date you three, four, five years. Well, What? For five years, <laughs> I'm being honest. I'm being real know, honest, you know. I know you are. And I want to know what your thoughts. What do you, What do you tell women when they're wanting to get married and the guys go, 
Uh, I'm scared. Uh, mm-hmm. How long are we going to date? Three or four, five years? What do you say to that? My 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 belief is, listen, if he doesn't know that he wants to marry you in a year, then he probably doesn't want to marry you. And that doesn't mean Woo. that you're going to get – that doesn't mean you're going to get married in a year. But if he doesn't know he wants okay. to marry you in a year, then he doesn't want to marry you. That's just – I agree. That's just period. You know, I'm sorry. You know, you however you want to feel about that as a woman, and women do feel some type of way when you're like, you know, y'all have been dating for seven years. Like, at what point are y'all going to know each other enough to know if you want to be together for the rest of your lives? Like, at what point, you know? And and I just had a conversation with a girlfriend about this, and it's about how transparent and open and honest are you being in that time with each other, okay. right? Like, if I'm only okay. giving you little bits and pieces and I'm keeping up these walls, you still may not know me in 12 months, right? Um, right. But that means you need to be doing some personal work before you try to be in a relationship with somebody because you're not ready yet, you know? Um, you have to be willing to be vulnerable and open and, like, see, give people a chance to really see you and know you in an intimate way. Um, And that's not just a physical thing, right? Intimacy is so much more than that. Let them know you in that way so they can decide I like you or I don't, you know. And if he doesn't know, he ain't never going to know. So you need to love yourself enough that if your goal is to be married, love yourself enough to let yourself walk away. Don't keep taking up space and time with someone that's not willing to commit to you what it is that you feel like you need for the rest of your life. How do you tell these women? So how do they love themselves? How, what are the mm. steps to loving yourself? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting, I, I just want to know. It's okay. a process. What's the process? Um, What's the process? I, would, I, I would say, so I'll use myself. I would say for me, what helped me to really, truly love myself was was removing, moving out of a place of understanding that God loved me and God saw me in this special way and, like, really embracing that God loved me and God saw me in this special way. When we can, when we can move to a place where we can actually forgive ourselves for stuff, where we can actually be okay with, you know, I really wish I didn't cuss people out, but every once in a while I might cuss someone out, and and I just have to accept that about myself, you know. When we can really move to a place of, you know, I did this thing that I should have known better than, but you know what, I did the best I knew how in that moment. When we can really move to that place with ourselves, we love ourselves in in a real way, right? We don't love, like you said, women looked at an idea of you, right? We're not loving an idea or a version of ourselves anymore. We as people are very good at loving the things that people admire and respect and and speak well of about us. We are not so good at loving the things that that we don't want people to know about us or that people speak negatively about, about us. When we can move to a place where that is who I am, and I am okay with that, and I love me with that, whether I ever grow out of that behavior or not, whether I can ever undo that thing or not, I still love me anyway. And, and it's, it starts in the mind. You have to make a decision that that is how you're going to relate to yourself, right? When you can do that, um, that is how you really exercise self-love for your, yourself. Awesome. Beautiful. And I just want to jump in. This is KCWGTheTruth.com. You're listening to Real Love, Real Talk Uncut. This is Christina X Limit. 
before you go, because we have Deborah Rachel Kagan coming up in a few minutes, mm-hmm. you addressed something a couple of weeks ago <laughs> uh, <laughs> regarding the specific challenges of African American women. There was mm-hmm. a study just put out not too long ago about the perception that adults tend to have of young African American girls, ranging from black girls need less nurturing, need less protection, mm-hmm. need to be supported less, need to be comforted mm-hmm. less. African-American girls are more independent. They know more about adult topics, and they definitely know more about sex. Now, those Mm -hmm. are some incredible uh, strikes against young girls that is sort of put up on them earlier. Uh, Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that briefly? What are the unique challenges in your work as it relates specifically to the African-American woman? Um. Our people have a very interesting history here in this country. I shouldn't say interesting because it's not really interesting. It's just kind of jacked up, right? We have a pretty jacked up history um, in this country. And what that looks like, what, well, I guess I will say what's interesting about it is that, um, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, is that we've lived in it for so long that we've allowed it to become our normal. What I mean by that is, right, back in slavery times, the Jezebel was the way that they – you know, kind of talked about black women and their sexuality. They were these promiscuous women. They had these insatiable, you know, sexual appetites. And so that made it okay for, you know, soldiers, Union soldiers to rape them because, you know, that's who they were. And then uh, uh, white supremacist culture came in and said, well, we're going to civilize, quote, unquote, these black women. And they created the mammy stereotype where, you know, she's in these long dresses and the Aunt Jemima on your syrup, right? They created these stereotypes about us. And, and what's very specific for black women in dealing with doing the work they do with me is that, unfortunately, so many of our men have also embraced these stereotypes about us. Even women have embraced these stereotypes about ourselves. And we have to, you know, there, there's this shaming of, you know, things that are very natural um, as women and uh, for our culture, right? Um, there's this shaming that happens within our community. You know, women are not supposed to be sexually empowered. Um, women are not supposed to dress a certain kind of way. Women are not supposed to talk a certain kind of way. And... It's so contradictory for us from our our basic root DNA. Tons of us come from tribes that would have been matriarchal societies, and here we are living in patriarchal societies, and how do we rectify that? So we just have layers and layers and layers of things that are very different than DNA-wise what we would have come from. We have tons and tons and tons of stereotypes that have been created about us as black women in order to uh, justify the degradation of us as women in this country that unfortunately have been of no fault of their own but like embraced and 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 have become rooted in black men the men that we would want to marry right and so that's why as even as we do the work as as you mentioned as y'all mentioned the men got to be doing the work too um but that's yes that's definitely something very uh unique for us in this country Oh, that's fascinating. We could do a whole show just on that. But we're just about out of time, Miss <laughs> Christina. Uh, really quickly before we let you go, can you tell us uh, when you're going to be hosting another one of your workshops and yes. what type of projects do you have coming up soon? Absolutely. So if you're local to me in Denver, I am hosting a workshop on July 8th um, from 10 a.m. until 12 p.m. It will be at the Mental Health Center of Dahlia, the campus there. Um, I also um, can be found on Facebook 
um, or ChristinaXLimit.com. And I will be hosting, like, virtual versions of the workshop. So there are ways to contact me to do that as well. Um, and, yeah, I'm Christina X Limit everywhere. On YouTube, I'm Christina X Limits with an S on the end. Go. But it's just like it sounds. It's just like it sounds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it sure does. I was hoping you would mention YouTube because I did see a few videos there on YouTube. So you are out there. Check out yes. ChristinaXLimit.com. <laughs> we want to thank you for joining us this evening. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the wonderful, exceptional Miss Christina X Limit. Coming up next, we will have Deborah Rachel Kagan on the other side of this break. You're listening to Real Love, Real Talk Uncut on KCWGTheTruth.com. We'll be back right after this. We'll be back.
allowing for great self-confidence, resulting in the ability to earn more money, reduce stress, and create thriving relationships. She's the best-selling author of Find Your Me Spot, 52 Ways to Reclaim Your Confidence, Feel Good in Your Own Skin, and Live a Turned-On Life. Her methods combine over 20 years of information and experience in the fields of personal development, metaphysical studies, and embodiment practices. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Real Love, Real Talk Uncut, Miss Deborah Rachel Kagan. Miss Kagan, are you there? I'm here. I'm so excited to be with you guys. <laughs> Thank wow. you. How are you doing? Sound fabulous. That is T. Russ, my partner on the line there. Yes, yes. Beautiful. Well, I'm looking forward wow. to a wonderful conversation with you and your audience. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Now, you have been doing this kind of work. Um, I, I don't think I, I haven't, honestly, I haven't Googled it, but I've never heard of a mojo recovery specialist. Right. So uh, I think it would be fitting and proper to sort of start right there. What, pray <laughs> tell, is mojo? Deborah, please enlighten us. Can you talk about that a little bit and how it's, you first got into this work to uh, empower women's mojo? What's that about? It, it's true. It's funny. Not every, you know, seven-year-old little girl wakes up and goes, ooh, I want to be a mojo recovery specialist when I grow up, right? <laughs> yeah, that probably comes right. at age nine or ten at the earliest, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, hopefully it's going to be a whole wide, you know, beautiful field, um, you know, in another decade or so. Um, right. Mojo, you know, the way that, that I look at it, I mean, mojo can be considered a slang word. Austin Powers, the movie made it kind of hip. However, it's it's a word that can be interchangeable for our life force. Uh, it can also be considered our chi. If anybody has you know ever had any acupuncture or done any martial arts, right? They talk about it as chi. For my yogis out there, they talk about it as prana. It's the invisible stuff that we are born with that we never lose, and you can absolutely see it in every baby, right? As soon as they're born, you just see that light, that spark, the life force in every human. And so mojo is that. It's your personal magnetism. It's what people feel from us before we ever open our mouth. Mm. Wow. That just sounds like it just emanates right from you. Yeah. So, you know, that's, you know, that's what it, we, and again, we all have it. And, you know, truly how it, it got developed uh, for me, um, you know, one of my, the, the big why behind what I do, and I, and I feel like I can share this with you and your audience, you know, I uh, came from a very functionally dysfunctional household. And uh, my folks split up when I was young. And my mom's second husband, uh, you know, when, when we went to live with him, that was an abusive household. So I was living there for eight years with uh, domestic violence, and it was, you know, obviously not a very happy experience, but one that, that colored my life for a while, especially as a young girl. And, you know, it, it gave me these messages that were saying women couldn't be powerful. Women weren't uh, allowed to be safe. And certainly, you know, it was a message that the home is not a safe space. And, you know, that obviously stuck with me. Um, as I, I got older, and I, I did get out of that household um, by getting myself to boarding school. I was very resourceful, <laughs> and I thought, we need to get out of here. So I got, uh, I, got, I got out, and then my mom got out. And, 
you know, there was this wonderful freedom at boarding school, but then I had an experience that, again, way too many women have, you know, and men, um, but certainly the statistics are, are more with women. And when I was in boarding school, I was raped. And so that was another experience that, that said, hey, you know, your body's not a safe place to be. And so those things became a, a, an undercurrent, right, in, in my development. And it, in my soul, right, in, in the, the truth with a capital T, I knew that wasn't true. And yet these experiences were having me buy into a different belief. So cut to a couple decades, you know, later, really a decade later into my 20s, um, when I really began the uh, personal development, um, began my metaphysical studies, and started to understand that even though we go through traumatic experiences, we do not lose this life force, this mojo. It simply turns the volume dial on the mojo down. Right? You're a musical guy. You're a DJ. You understand, right? Mixing and shifting. So it's like, yeah, the, the, the volume dial just gets turned down. But we actually have control over, uh, the volume. And so I learned how to increase the volume on my mojo. And, you know, and then my, my passion with, uh, supporting women in stepping into their power and thereby ending violence towards women and girls. Because if we do it as women, you know, and, and adults, it will change the next generation. It will change the way that we parent, the way that we mother, the way that we relate to our colleagues and our coworkers. And the more women Men have mojo, too, of course. I specifically work with women. Uh, but, you know, the right. more women that step into this space, the the more powerful our families and our communities can be. And that's, you know, how we start to shift the consciousness of the world. Wow. What a beautiful journey because it sounds like it involves sort of peeling back layers. And, you know, no one leaves this life completely unscathed. And everybody is going to see some things that – um, probably are definitely not for the faint of heart. I mean, you've had to overcome some things. And when I saw some of your story, I was thinking, okay, this is sort of like the how Stella got her groove back thing. And that <laughs> it's kind of like, no, it didn't go anywhere. Like you said, you just turn it down. What is some of the work involved that helps women tap back into that? Because when I think about Mojo, I think about a woman just being on fire, just lit up, confident, aspirational, going forward, focused, how do you begin that work of healing that trauma that you spoke about and then embrace where she is right now so she can take her scars and wounds forward and impact others? How does that yeah, start? Yeah, great question. And by the way, you know, for those women who are out there who haven't had any of those experiences, you know, in terms of those traumas, I'm so happy about that. And all of this is still very valid for you, right? Because so, women come to me from two spaces. They'll say, hey, I just feel like I've lost my mojo through some experience, right? Maybe it's a breakup. Maybe it's a job change. Maybe it's menopause, maybe, you know, whatever it might be. And the other uh, group of women say, you know what? I never had permission to step into it. So I wanted to share that just for the listeners so you have even hungrier ears for this part of the conversation. Yeah. So Mojo, you know, I look at it as as four pillars. So it's a good four-letter word, Mojo, okay? 
And the four pillars, and these, it, when you know these pillars, you will always have access to the totality of your mojo. So the first pillar is the M. It's our mindset. We need to get our heads screwed on straight so we really are in our truth, again, with a capital T. So much of what we've been taught and so much of what we've been, um, you know, given as we grow up is somebody else's truth, somebody else's beliefs that they may or may not even understand themselves. So the mindset is making sure that you are aligned with who you are choosing to be as a woman today, not based on what happened to you in the past and not based on some future that hasn't yet to occur. Who are you right now in this moment? So we start with the mindset, right? Mindset, got it, yes. The second pillar is what I call the oracle, right? It's the O of mojo. And the oracle is our body. And I call it the oracle because our body always knows. It always has the answer. It knows what we want to eat. It knows when we want to sleep. It knows, you know, when, you know, what kind of exercise we actually do want to do. You know, it knows what business deal we actually want to be getting in or not. And in our fast-paced world with social media and we're always on our devices, we've become a society that only lives life above the neck. And here's the big secret. Our mojo, our life force, and for all my people out there who do martial arts and anyone who's done any boxing, you know that your power moves, your actual life force, lives in your body. It's below your belly button and above your pubic bone, right? The, the martial artists call this place the Dantian, and this is where that life force is cultivated from. Um, so when we are disconnected from our body, we are automatically cutting off the access to your mojo power. So there's a level of embodiment that must occur, and that happens through the oracle, all right? So then, cool. So then the J is all about joining with the different roles that we play in life. And, you know, I, you know, Rome, I know you a little bit, so I think it's really cool because, like, you know, here you are hosting or co-hosting the show, and, you know, you also have this wonderful, you know, uh, event that you put on where we, where we first connected in Los Angeles with music and community. So that's a little bit of a different part of you, right, that comes out. And, you know, then Correct. we all have a, a personal role. We've got a professional role. We have hobbies, and the thing that occurs is we end up living out of one, maybe one and a half roles, right? Like it's either you're really living out of your professional role and then you're going to squeeze in some personal stuff, right? Or vice versa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, there, yeah, and then there's this whole other, all these other facets and all these other roles that either got put in a closet, under the rug, somebody at some point said, oh, no. You know, artists don't make any money, so don't don't express yourself in that way, right? Like, just let that one go. But meanwhile, that artist part of you has genius that really could help your professional life in some moments. It could help you in your family when you're needing some creative solutions. 
but the artist is now, you know, been on negative volume and doesn't even know how to talk to you anymore because there's been such a disconnect, right? So joining with their different roles and really playing full out and being fully self-expressed, again, gives you access to your full mojo, right? And rounding it up to the fourth pillar and the last O of mojo is what I call the the oasis, right? The oasis. And this is your, right? It's like this is creating your home, your environment to be an oasis for your success. And um, for 18 years, I've been a professional feng shui consultant, right? It's kind of um, makes a lot of sense when you connect the dots, realizing I grew up in this um, very unsafe home that I wound up helping people to create very sacred and safe and thriving environments for their success. And so when you create your home to be an oasis, now your stress levels reduce. Now you have more joy every day. Now there's an easier and more effortless flow to your life, which allows your mojo to have, you know, again, this, this ease and, uh, and, and presence rather than it hiding from you. So those are the four pillars. Those are some nice pillars. I was, my mind was going to so many different places as you were sharing that. Mojo, now I understand. Now I understand because when you were taught, did you, did either one of you see that movie with uh, Will Smith and uh, the, he was the dating coach? Oh, I loved uh, it. Loved it. What was he talking? Deborah, do you remember that movie? Which he was, uh, uh, oh. about? He was talking about. Uh, oh my God! Oh, uh, it, it was a hitch. 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 Yes. Yes. Hitch. Okay, it's so he was helping love. Albert, the guy uh, Albert. He was saying, you know, you're an iceberg and. He said, no, yeah, I know I'm heavy. He said, no, it's not that. It's that, that 90% of who you are, it seems to be below the surface. Under, but yep. It, under the surface, and it's, it's sort of masking a fuller, more richer Albert. And I love what you talk about when you say joining with the, the different facets of yourself because we're only mm-hmm. living in a small, compartmentalized version of ourselves, and we tend to play that out to its fullest intent, but we haven't really connected all the dots. And I love what you said about the oasis, because you're you're creating safe space. And I know us guys on the line may even refer to that as the man cave every once in a while, where you sort of just go and recharge the battery a little bit and regather your resources so you can get back into the ring. You talked about martial arts. T. Russ does martial arts. Mm -hmm. And it's just something about having access to those parts of ourselves where we know we need a reprieve every once in a while. My goodness, you said so much right there. How do we lose this? I mean, if, if this personal magnetism and enthusiasm for life is so essential to who we are and who we are to ultimately become, what are some of the things that get in the way of us maintaining it? Because you're there because we obviously can't hold on to it all the time for some reason, so how do we lose it? Well, we get, yeah, so the volume dial goes down, down, and so volume, anyone, yeah, exactly, you know... Yeah, it's like anyone who's lived over the age of 18, you know, we've all been through stuff. Like somebody made fun of you on the playground, right, when you were a kid. Or, you know, there, there was a, a breakup and, and, you know, it was your first love. Or, uh, you know, you didn't do well or you didn't get into uh, the, the school that you wanted to go to. Or you didn't get that job that you were going for because somebody said whatever about you. Those moments, 
even though those are some smaller uh, on the scale of things, the, uh, moments rather than, you know, sort of bigger traumas of abuse and so on and so forth, right? Those uh, traumas, uh, small or large, start to chip away and turn that volume dial down, right? Because we have not been raised with the tools to say, you know, hey, that's okay that something happened. Here's an empowerment uh, piece that will help you to, again, maintain the mojo as you're growing up. Like, that's something, hopefully, that will get integrated into society over time. Um, but, you know, oh, we so we, the, yeah, we need that. But for most of us, we didn't have that. So the volume dial gets turned down based on those experiences. And what's fascinating is all of our life experiences literally gets layered into our physical body. We've all heard of cellular memory, right? especially with any athletes, right? You've, you all heard if you train and you train and then you don't train for a few months, yeah, you might be a little, you know, dragon, you know, like, well, it might be a little tough when you go back. However, your body can bounce back pretty quickly because it's already had the experience, right? So cellular memory um, is, is something that does affect our mojo. And one of the best ways to smooth out what I call the You're kink. listening to exciting like, it, You know, and that's not necessarily the fun kind of kink. That's more of the, the, the stuff that blocks the mojo flow, okay, right. um, in our neurobiology. So I, I know this is getting a little technical, but again, if everything which is layered in our body, it's, it affects our neurobiological structure, which gives us our way of being, even the way that we physically move in the world, our posture, which then affects the way we feel about ourselves, right? So these kinks will, it, think of it like if you're trying to water your garden and the hose has this kink, this knot in it. Like the water's coming out of this, um, the main pipe, right? It's coming out of that spigot, but it's not getting all the way out the nozzle because the hose has a kink in it. So you got to unravel it, and you probably—I don't know—I I, it happens to me in my yard. So, you know, there's the time you got to spend undoing the hose, and then boom, the water's coming through. So right. we need to do that with our bodies. Right, We have to shift that within our bodies. And when we do change and give our body a new experience, which you can do by tapping into your own power center where your mojo lives, then those things that dialed the volume down will not have as much power over you and your natural flow of mojo okay. occurs. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we're at the top of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Real Love, Real Talk Uncut on KCWG thetruth.com with T. Russ and DJ Rome. We're listening to Deborah Rachel Kagan, Mojo Recovery Specialist. Now, I'm going to let T. Russ get in here in a second, but I I have some interest in, it it sounds like you're talking about engaging the senses and just sort of tapping into everything that's really about being in the moment, being alive, and if I can go out on a limb, just being excited and passionate about something. I saw one of your videos before, so I'm cheating a little bit, full disclosure. I'm cheating a little bit. <laughs> but what are some of those, um, if, if you figure out, like you, you, you encounter one of those spigots, and then uh, you realize that your passion has been killed um, or dialed down, as you say. Mm-hmm. Now, turning it back up, how much does that plug into sensuality and how a woman represents 
that aspect of her in which she's presenting herself to the world that she is not only a turned-on woman or tuned-in woman, but a very feminine and sensual woman who has engaged her passions in ways that let the world know that um, she has made these connections and has connected all these dots within herself um, as she's facing and um, showing them to the world. Uh, Can you talk about that a little bit? What are these things that women do that really exemplify and amplify their sensuality? Right, and let's like so. Let's just be real clear and define sensuality because that's a word that yeah. really trips people up a lot, and that's part of the yeah. mindset piece, right? So sensuality mm-hmm. is literally just the use and exploration of your senses. We experience life through our five senses every single moment, right? And right. so when we experience life through our senses, our uh, first, you know, depending on if we're seeing something or smelling or tasting or touching or hearing, it's going to put information into our brain, which then is like a computer, right, then downloads into our body and tells us to react a certain way, okay? So sensuality is engaging in life through your senses, right? A lot of people think sensuality equals sex. It does not. Okay, sex so make is, that you know, it doesn't, right? Yeah, so, it doesn't. Sex is intercourse, you know, thing? between two people. Okay. Right? <laughs> Pretty basic and right. very simple in, in definition. We complicate it a lot <laughs> as humans. Mm. Right? Well, so. Speaking for the guys, I, I know we're guilty of that because we tend to focus on the latter rather than the former. But go ahead. <laughs> right. I like how this so, is going because. Yeah, the amazing thing um, about this part of the conversation, when, you know, engaging in our senses and being a sensual being is as important for men as it is for women. Okay, and when we consciously, because when we consciously use our senses, meaning you're giving yourself input that is empowering you in the way that you want to create your life. So think of it this way. If you are having a really tough time and you're not feeling connected to your mojo and you're feeling kind of low vibes, maybe a little depressed, feeling like things aren't going your way, but all you got on on the radio or the TV every day is the news, as one of my friends and colleagues would say, (laughs) CNN, constantly negative news, right? Then, like, all you're doing... Right? It's all you're doing is putting in this doom and gloom. But what if you were listening to your show, right? Listening to this radio show and you've got great, you know, um, archives. So what if someone was listening to your show uh, every single day, multiple times a day, putting things that were empowering into your hearing, right? That's going to change your behavior. It's going to change the way you feel. What if you started to put some smell in your environment that really inspired you. I'm a very passionate and huge proponent of essential oils, right? They're healing properties. So if you were feeling kind of down, what if you started using wild orange essential oil, lemon essential oil, some grapefruit essential oil, right? These citrusy, these very bright, awakening, empowering, enlivening smells. You could just, you know, mm-hmm. literally smell it from the bottle or use a diffuser, right, in your office or your home, right? right? Now, right. all of a sudden, 
your 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 sense of smell is taking in something that is giving your brain a new bit of information that alters the way you feel and therefore the actions you take from that space you see so I do. These ty- these types of things, and again, seeing, let's just talk about the, the, the sense of sight for a moment. This is why vision boards have become so incredibly popular, right? Because if you're looking at, like, the pile of laundry every morning when you wake up, and that's the first thing you see and the last thing you see before you go to sleep, what do you think your your subconscious is going? Oh, man, i got to do the laundry. All that stuff is dirty. I never get it together. Right? All of those disempowering thoughts. Right. What if you put an image of something, even if it's a vacation you're wanting to go on? What if you're looking at that? It's, I don't know, but the Caribbean, like some beautiful beach. And you see that every morning when you wake up. And you're looking at that right before you go to bed. How much more peaceful, how much more joyous, how much more excited could you be every day? Right? Right. So mm-hmm. when we consciously use our senses and consciously give us ourselves the input that is going to support who we truly are and where we're really going, then you are being a fully sensual being in a way that is, again, tapping into your confidence and your self-expression. And we so need that, and I think guys miss that point so much because we just don't engage our senses nearly to the degree that women do. And that's why I've always have understood or I've tried to acquire the understanding. I have so much to learn, Deborah, and you're helping me with this. But <laughs> women, women are so more – you're so far advanced on this stuff compared to us. Now, and that's okay because those are the things you're talking about that – define you as women. I mean, we can't embody too much of that lest we cease to being men. But I know you're talking about women. Um, If we talked about some of these things that can help a man um, acquire this level of passionate engagement, um, can you talk about what that does to a woman in terms of if she's looking for a man? Let's just suppose she's looking for uh, partnership, and she's looking for some of these aspects in a man, uh, how much of this would he embody? What are the characteristics that really light her up when she sees certain characteristics in a guy who's embodying this, this sort of tuned in and turned on life? Yeah, it's so interesting because a bunch of the reviews on Amazon about my book you mentioned, Find Your Me Spot, right, which is all about how to use your senses consciously, are from men and that they've shared how it has so powerfully changed their experience. Now, to to answer your question directly, you're speaking into uh, what I would consider the difference between uh, masculine and feminine energy, right? Everything is energy. That's the basis of my work. And, you know, quantum physicists have proven this to us at this point. So everything is energy. However, there are two qualities of energy, masculine and feminine, yin and yang, right? So there, and there's always some within the other. So every single being, male or female, which is gender, okay, has both masculine and feminine energy, So when a man starts to embody more of his mojo, and innately the majority of men on the planet have a more masculine essence, right? They're more tapped into masculine energy. 
So, and that's a majority. I'm not saying everybody. Um, but when a man starts to tap into and really consciously, again, tap into his own mojo, there's a certain level of powerful presence that a woman is attracted to because when a man is embodied, there's there's a strength, there's a, you know, sort of that yeah. hunter, if you will. Um, it really goes back to early days of cave people times, right? I mean, it's like there's yeah. that hunter, um, you know, that essence that can come out because when a man's very uh, comfortable in his own skin, it's inspiring to a woman in that it's like, oh, this is someone who can protect. This is someone who I can lean into, and the feminine, not female, but the feminine energy is looking for that. That's its counterpart, all right? Now, vice versa, when a woman taps into her mojo, uses her senses consciously, when she becomes more embodied, the flow, that movement of feminine energy, which is also why women are curvier and rounder, right? Because feminine energy is a rounder, uh, flowing essence of an energy. Masculine is linear, right? So when a woman... Correct taps into her own mojo and her and by, by using her senses consciously that feminine flow is is again um a much more comfortable and confident uh way about her right you hear it's in it, it, like in um Oh gosh, I'm gonna. This is so embarrassing. I think it's the Beatles, but the song. You know, it's in the way she moves, right? In, in that song, right? Is it in the way she moves? Right. Okay, so it, you know, it's not about like in the in the in the way that she stands powerfully. No, it's in the way she moves, right? So when a woman taps into her uh, mojo, a man is more drawn to her based on the comfort level that she has in her own skin because that strength, that power of the masculine is looking for the flow of the feminine, right? These are the two different polarities when we're looking at, you know, at that kind of a dynamic. And no matter, you know, whether it's man, woman, woman, you know, whatever your, your, your choice is of partner, there's always going to be one partner that is embodying more of the masculine energy and one who's going to be embodying more of the feminine. So this is useful for anybody who wants to join with a partner. You know, you just need to figure out which um, of which energetic <laughs> you uh, are right. most most wanting to to be with. Oh, it's important to make those distinctions. T. Russ. Oh man, y'all vibing, man. I didn't. <laughs> I was just like, wow. Um, you guys both had the mojo. I'm just sitting back, man. <laughs> Hey, oh, thank you. I, yeah, y'all both is doing it. I was like, uh, can I get a question? Can I get something? Y'all doing it. That's good. Y'all vibing. I just have a couple questions, really just one. I saw you. Well, first let me talk about this. You're going to keep a lot of couples together with those central oil talk because a lot of people, they think about it, but some people are scared. You're listening to exciting premium content on KCWG, the truth.com. What does it all mean? And I'm, I'm listening to that because you make a lot of sense. Uh, I saw you on KTLA the other, you know, I saw the, you on the news. 
and I watched I was. it. And you do, yeah, I saw you. I saw you. And uh, <laughs> you have a very good aura about yourself. You're very attractive. And when you talk the way you're talking, you're going to get a lot of hits because you're looking like you're walking. You know, you're talking to talk, you're walking. That's what it looks like. My question Thank is you. a heavy question. Superman had his kryptonite. What is your kryptonite to destroy your mojo? Or what is your preventive measures? Because everybody, some people just kill the mojo. Some people just uh-huh. kill it from you. What do you do? Well, my kryptonite is my own mind, right? Oh, okay. So okay. in my mindset, when I, I, you know, I have to really keep my head in check. And that is a constant for me because, uh, you know, I think like many people, when our mind starts to go into the sewer, <laughs> it really can start to take us down. And for me, what I do, that is about keeping a spiritual practice, making sure I'm meditating, making sure that also I'm uh, caring for my body, which, you know, look, I, I love to eat and I, you know, enjoy a drink every now and again, so it's not like I'm perfect. However, I also so make sure I have my green smoothies and I exercise and I do my yoga. So those are the things that help keep me on track because otherwise my mind will say, oh, it's better to just stay in bed. You don't need to get up and go help women today, right? So it's my, it's my mind that is my kryptonite. All right. That's a great answer. Mine too. Yeah, yeah mine too. Well, Deborah, it sure has been a pleasure having you on tonight. Um, before you go, I want you to let the listeners know. You said you may have had a a little gift or a little something or an announcement. You have a workshop coming up that people might be able to find out more about Mojo in person. Can you talk about that a little bit? Thank you. I'd love to. And I do have a gift for all the listeners. There's a free four-part video training, and it's going to walk you through all four pillars of the mojo. It'll teach you about the three dangerous mindsets and how to turn them around. It's going to teach you how to tap into your power center. Super simple exercise you can do for less than two minutes a day to help you dial up the volume on your mojo. You're going to learn more about joining with your roles and at your home the number one place that affects having powerful opportunities in your life. So that free training you can find on my site, which is my name, Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H, hyphen, Kagan, K-A-G-A-N.com, and you can get access to that there. So that's my free gift for you all. And in October is the next time that the you ladies can come and play. We're going to have a great time at the Rock Your Mojo Women's Weekend. Information about that's on the website as well. And for all of you on social media, um, I mostly am hanging out on Instagram and Facebook, and I do a lot of these Insta stories. So if you want to see some behind the scenes and uh, get in touch that way, uh, definitely follow me on Instagram. Well, there you have it. And we're going to put this information up on the uh, Real Love, Real Talk Uncut Facebook page as well so that people can be sure to stay plugged in. Well, Deborah, it has been a pleasure. And been looking forward to this one for a long time. Thank you so very much. Absolutely. Oh, Rome. Yeah, Roman Tiras, thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor and a pleasure, and I appreciate being able to share this with you and your audience. Oh, it's our pleasure as well. You've been listening to Deborah Rachel Kagan, ladies and gentlemen. Tiras. Yes, sir. 
I think it's time for us to land the plane, good brother. Yes, sir. Go ahead, man. We uh, All I know is I had a good time. She made a lot of sense, and I got to check my mojo. Me too, man. <laughs> Me too. I got to stay tapped into my senses, man. I, I need right. to get into this a little bit more. But this is KCWGTheTruth.com. You've been listening to T. Russ and DJ Rome. Real Love, Real Talk Uncut airs every Thursday evening from 5.30 to 7 p.m. Be sure to check the Facebook page, Real Love, Real Talk Uncut, on the Facebook page. I think we're out, T. Russ. We will yeah. see you all next week. All right. One love. One love, baby. You just listened to an exclusive KCWGTheTruth.com program on our subscription premium content channel. Thank you again for your support of KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio on the planet.